0: The rest of you guys, are y'all ready for the word? Yes. Boy, I can't wait to give it. Amen. Get your Bibles out. Where are we going? Luke chapter 10, verse 25. I got three pieces of paper and we got all day. Normally I preach an hour with just one scripture, so now I got 10 scriptures. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, no, I can't scare y'all. 1025. Now listen, the, the, my sermon today is called Jesus' Gift to the World. Um, I, wanna, I, I, I realize that my saying that is going to conjure up ideas that Jesus' gift is himself. You, if we said that, you'd be right. He gave us eternal life. We would, or we could say that his gift to the world is the Holy Ghost. And we would be right when we said that. But there's something else that he gave the world far more important. Then all of that or we would say actually it's because of those things that he gave this gift and it's the church. When he left he made a statement. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. You and I and we're going to get into this in a minute how powerful his church is how powerful you are. And what he handed you, what he gave to the community, what he gave to the world. So um, in, in Luke, we're going to read the story of what we call the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to explain this parable to you to where we'll start making a little bit of sense. Amen. It says... Um, Verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus and said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now you understand the Jews thought that by keeping the law, they would have eternal life. They still believe that to this day. It says, and so Jesus says, it's what's written in the law. What is your reading of it? In other words, he threw it back in the guy and says, wait a minute, what are you reading and how do you see the law? And he said, he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus said, you have answered rightly, do it and you will live. Now we're looking backwards now from grace. We understand that we're saved by believing in Jesus and we understand that by the works of the law, no one are saved. So we're looking backwards at this. Do you believe this man is able to keep these commandments? No. Absolutely not. But Jesus is looking at him and going, you, you do this. You love God with all of your heart and your neighbor as much as you love yourself and you'll have eternal life. Well, naturally, he hears this and it bothers him. Why? Why? But how many of you have a hard time loving the people around you? Amen. Every once in a while, it's quite the struggle, even though we're born again. The easiest thing is to love people who love us. Loving people who don't love us, that's not so easy a thing to do, is it? All right, so, so he says this, and he wanting to justify himself, which we all do, Anytime someone calls you on the carpet, you, if you're a police officer, oh, sir, I didn't know it was a speed limit. I might have a heavy foot. It, we, we, it, if you would just tell a cop the truth, they might let you go. Yes, How fast were you going? 80. Why? Wanted to. An honest person? Are you serious? they probably turn you loose. But everybody, whenever we're caught on the carpet, we all want to make excuses. And this guy's making an excuse. And he said, in order to justify, he said, who's my neighbor? So Jesus is not going to answer that question the way that you and I would think he's going to answer that. And I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. The story that he's about to tell is the story of himself. Now listen as he talks. There was a certain man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, Adam. And he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothes and wounded him and left him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, then a Levite. He came by and he walked on the other side, but a Samaritan. As he journeyed, he came where he was and saw him, had compassion or mercy on him. And he went to him and, and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn took care of him. The next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and says, take care of him. And whatever you spend, when I come back, I'm going to repay you. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, him who showed mercy. And Jesus says to him, yes, you're correct. Go, you go and do likewise. But he's really telling the story of redemption. Adam in the garden. Now, when, when it says in the, in, the book of, in, the, in the book of Genesis, it says, God told Adam, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. The Hebrew word surely is dying. So he said dying, you'll die. Well, when they quote, when they translated it from, from Hebrew to English, they didn't know what to do with dying, you'll die. So they just said, well, you'll kind of really be dead. And, and, and it's kind of confused us, but actually it says dying spiritually, you will eventually die physically. So in the day that you eat therein, you shall die. We know in the book of Ephesians, it says that we were dead in trespasses and sins. We know that through that, he could not be talking about physical death, Amen. right? When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't his physical death. That saved you. Amen. Now that threw that'll mess up the whole church. It was his spiritual death that saved you. You were dead in sin. So how many people who are dead in sin can earn their way out of it? You can't. You go. You can't go in the morgue and go open up, pull the coffin out, and go. If you straighten up, we let you out. <laughs> They're dead. Now, when Jesus comes to the earth, man is dead. This guy is dead in sin. He has no ability to do this. So he's telling this man the story of himself. So Adam comes down and he, it says he, that he fell among thieves, Satan, and left him half dead. We're going to get into in a minute about the fact that there's two races on the earth. It's not black and white. It's not even Puerto Rican and Mexican. There's two races on the earth. Adam's race and Jesus' race. You're in one or you're in the other one. And the first race was a failure. When the people outside of this room right now that are not saved, they're having problems and they don't know why. But they're dead in sin. Maybe not on their own. Because they died because of Adam's transgression. We're going to read that in a minute. I've looked at sinners and went, "You're a sinner, but it ain't your fault." He said, "I knew I didn't do it." That's right. Your great, 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 great grandfather screwed you up. But why don't you change families? Somebody said, "Well, I'm homosexual and I was born this way." Well, get yeah, born again. <laughs> So Jesus is telling the story of Adam, and he went from Jerusalem, the city of God, down to Jericho. If you've ever been to Israel, you'll notice Jericho, it's a hellhole. It's a filthy place, (laughs) and it's nasty down. It's still bad. He fell among thieves who stripped him, wounded him, and left him half dead. Spiritually dead, but not physically. By chance, a priest came by. Did he help him? Couldn't. Levite came by, a doctor of the law. Could he help him? No, a Samaritan, which is a half Jew, which is really outcast of Israel and an outcast of the Gentiles, came by and it said he had mercy on him. There's the key word. Whoever came by and lifted this man was a man that had compassion. Now, I want you to think about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus is healing the multitudes, how many righteous people, good people is he praying for? None. None. There is not a good person in the whole bunch getting healed. Nobody worth it. Nobody earned it. Why did the Pharisees not get healed? Remember when he was in his house that day and it says the power of God was present? He's in a house full of Pharisees and no one got healed but a guy who ripped the roof off and got let down. It wasn't that because God ordained that guy to get healed. The power was there for everybody, but they were self-righteous. See, the people who know they're sinners are closer to God than self-righteous people. So, so you understand that, that in, when Jesus walked the earth, there wasn't anybody any good. So all of his healings were mercy. Has his mercy changed? No, it has not. His mercies are new every morning. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Salvation, God giving you eternal life is pure 100% unadulterated mercy. He did not save you because you're good. He saved you because he's good. He did it for you and handed it to you. That's why we come in here and get excited. See, churches who don't run aisles and jump pews, they don't know what Jesus did. They think it was Jesus and I helped him a little bit. I know it was Jesus and I didn't do anything. (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to help Huey out right now, just just a little bit. And he went and he bandaged his wounds. Tell me this doesn't sound like Jesus. And he poured on oil and wine. Do I need to preach on that? No. No the new birth, the Holy Ghost, and he took him to an inn, an inn? What's he taking him to an inn for? Why would you help a guy on the side of the road and then just leave him there to get beat up again? So what did he do? He took him to an inn and handed him to an innkeeper. He actually took him to church. God's gift to you and I when you got born again was to put you in a local church for your safekeeping. if he's going to put that much investment in you he wants to take care of you so he puts you in a church along with a bunch of other people and there is a safe place for you so he puts him in there and he says this to the pastor take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come I'll repay you which one of these three was neighbor it was Jesus he's telling this man the story of himself the man didn't get it He's showing him, the guy with that's having mercy is the guy who's neighbor. In other words, there's only one of us standing here, that's, that's, that's me. And he's teaching this man the story of redemption. But he makes a statement here about the end. Now listen to this. Today in America, we have the idea that church is something we do on Sunday. It is not. Church is the center of everything. Now, I'm going to read something to you, and I want you to get this. I think when I leave here today, the light bulb is going to come on, you're going to go, whoa. In the church is the only place you will ever find eternal life. It's the only place that you'll find peace. It is the only place you'll find joy. It is the only group of people you'll find acceptance. It is the only place you'll get the wisdom of God. It's the only place you'll get the knowledge of God. It's the only place you'll find agape love. It is the only place you'll find healing. Doctors don't heal people. Doctors assist nature and cut. God heals people. Health comes from God. Now, God uses doctors But doctors are not God. I've told a couple that. I said, well, there is a God, and you're not him. And I said, I will trust God. One of them, when I went to the hospital, told me that the medicine I'm taking healed me. I said, how often does it work? He said, well, not really very often. He said, only 10% of the people with congestive heart failure make it a year. I said, well, it was 10 years ago. He said, you're lucky. I said, blessed. <laughs> yeah, it's fun talking to educated people. <laughs> he said, what's your name? I said, Dr. Morgan. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, go, to, go, to, go, go to Matthew 16. I want you, I want you to see this. I want, I want you to see it. I don't want to blow by this. I really want to slow down right now and make you, get you to. Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood didn't show you that. And then he said, you are Peter, a pebble, and on this rock, the revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church. Now, he said, I will build what? What's he building? Church. 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 Someone slow down a minute. What's he building? The only institution he's ever built on this earth is church. And it is the most important thing. He's done outside of dying on the cross and rising from the dead. Are y'all getting this? Because I'm trying to give you an avenue that everything you will ever need on this planet, you're going to find it in a church. And outside of church is nothing. I'm going to prove it to you. You got saved in church. You got filled with Holy Ghost in church. Your your destiny is connected to... To the church. You know, when God said, I'm going to give gifts unto men, Mark Hankins made a statement one day, I was listening to a tape, and he said this, and it, boy, it went off in me. He said, he was praying one day and asking the Lord about something in the Bible, and he said, I gave that revelation to Kenneth Hagin. If you want it, you're going to have to go to him to get it. You're, you're, the wisdom and knowledge you walk in is connected to supernatural uh, relationships God has put you in. There are things that God didn't talk to me. He told Brother Hagan and I learned it from him. He told Kenneth Copeland, and I learned it from him. I'm going to say something right now. I, I hope you can handle it. There are sermons, if you're not here, you just missed God. Because he ain't talking to you outside your pastor. And if you don't have a pastor, that's part of your problem. God did not make a mistake putting a pastor in your life. This is not optional. Oh, I, I want your kids to walk up to you at five years old and go, "Mom, you know you're really not that important." Look at her and say, "Would you like for me to show you how important I am, honey?" Somebody told me one time, says, my daughter's abusing the cell phone. I said, well, take it away. She says, oh, well, how will I get a hold of her? Well, she ain't going far. When, you know, we don't have to feed you. We don't have to clothe you or give you a room. We can lock you out. I should do a parenting sermon one day. Really, the first thing I'm going to bring is a paddle and show you how to use this thing. You know how many of our boys ever sass their mom? One. It lasted a whole 30 seconds. And it never happened again. The other two went Whoa. not on our watch. <laughs> <laughs> I took the boys one time. We went out to dinner with a couple from our church. And the little boy they took was a terror. Oh, my God. He sat at the table and demanded this and sassed his mom. And our boys were like. (laughs) They were watching this in, in shock. And that boy didn't get killed. And when we got in the car to go home, van. You know, when you're, when you have kids, it's Vans. You gotta put all the stuff anyway. all the boys lined up in the back like little raccoons. And one of them said, mommy, we were good boys, weren't we? And Lisa turned around and said, yes, you were. And one of them piped up and said, that other boy was not, was he mommy? And Lisa turned around and says, no, he was not. In other words, we'll kill you if <laughs> you ever act like that in a restaurant. <laughs> so it's parent is, is a parent important yes. spiritual parents are too yes. did you know you have fathers in the faith yes. and that's where knowledge comes not all of it he didn't he'll, he'll talk to you but he don't talk to you about everything one day you're going to get it you're going to go oh, have an ah moment in Adam everyone is dead In Adam is rebellion. Adam's family is defeated. Adam's family is in darkness. Adam's family is under the curse. They don't understand it right now, but they are. Adam's family is in turmoil. Adam's family is full of sadness, hopelessness, fear, weakness, condemnation, law, unrighteous, sick, no anointing. Does that sound like a place you want to be? No, No, it does not. But in Christ... You have the the presence of God, life, submission, victory, light, the blessing, peace, the peace that passes understanding, joy unspeakable, hope, faith, strength, no judgment, grace, righteous, health, anointing. Does that sound like someplace you want to be? Yes. Yes. And where is that? That's in his church. He said, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell won't stand against it. I don't care what's going to, I don't care what's coming in this nation right now. The devil does not have the power to defeat Jesus Christ. And he does not have the power to defeat the body of Christ. Now I'm going to read something to you and I'm going to read this to you and and I want you to pay attention. And what I'm about to say is absolutely powerful. There's two races of people, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Pop it up on the screen, I want to see it, 17 and 16. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The literal Greek says he's a new species. Now think about that for a minute. There is, there's two races on the earth. The first prototype was a total failure. So God sent a second prototype that is not a failure. If everyone that came out of Adam acted like Adam and still does, then what do you think the people that are coming out of Jesus are like? Can I say it? We are a super race. Yeah. You ever read Colossians 2.10? You're complete in him. Look, I want you to look at verse um, 16. You ready for this? Therefore, from now on, we regard no man according to the flesh. You can't tell someone whether whether they're Mexican or Puerto Rican or... that, That matters nothing anymore. There's two races in the earth and the flesh doesn't show... They could be... If they're full of Jesus, they're full of God. If they're not, they're full of the devil. I don't care what you say. That's the problem right there. They, they're sitting around trying to figure out how to get somebody to give me some money. Somebody got I'm cursed. They're cursed and don't know why they're cursed. Why don't you teach them why they're cursed? Say, well, listen, why don't you join the family? Now listen to this. this and I got this from Mark Hankus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he stepped from the tomb, absolute master of death in all of its faces. Hell in all of its host. Satan, all of his works, sin, all of its consequences. He was the first man, firstborn of a redeemed, restored, victorious humanity that would follow. He is the firstborn from the dead, the first man to enter the death experience and master it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, the word Jesus is Lord means Jesus is victorious. If Jesus is victor, what are you? Say victor. Now think about that a minute. That's an absolute incredible statement. I was talking to Kevin McNulty yesterday and I called him this morning and asked him to send me some information. But now listen, listen to what God, I'm just going to use this as an example to show you how God operates. Kevin was going through the former Europe, the former Soviet Union, and he stopped in Belarus. Now Belarus was the poorest nation, the poorest nation in Europe. And he got off the train and he met a couple of guys there and they went downtown Belarus and he stood on a rock and got up and preached the gospel. On that rock, the people gathered around in the square, heard the gospel and got saved. He got on the train and left. Him and Leslie got an invitation to come back to Belarus by the pastor of one of the largest churches there. That had out of that church started 60 churches. What do you think changed Belarus? The gospel changed the people that stood there. And in those people that day that got born again were pastors, teachers, evangelists, businessmen, fire chiefs, police officers, officers. Um, waitresses, school teachers in that group of people that got impregnated with the anointing of God, they started a church. Every time the gospel is preached, God raises up a church and the anointing on the church changes everything in the city. Let's do another one. Africa. Africa. I always like to watch the stories of Africa, and, and, I, and I've sown into the, the wells that, um, that James Robinson is putting over there because you hate to see kids that are drinking out of a mud puddle. I hate it. But you know what's needed more than, I mean, they need water. I mean, don't, don't deny them water and food. They need the gospel. So, so Kenneth Copeland went over to Africa not too long ago, and I was at one of his meetings, and he was talking about the largest church in the world now is in Africa. Now listen to me. Africa does not need Americans. Africa needs Jesus. What happens when Africans get saved? They become a super race. That pastor built a city without our money. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Is God able to do that without you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Kenneth sat with him and he said to Kenneth Copeland, he said, your books taught me. And Kenneth looked at him and said, well, it's time for you to teach me because you're way richer than I've ever been. He owns thousands of acres, this pastor, in Africa. And he owns the city. Do you think God wants to do that? Everywhere the gospel goes, there will always always be a group of people rise up that their light and the anointing will change the city. When I got saved, it started changing my whole family. When you get born again, the anointing on you will change your family. If you're here today, let me tell you something, and you're a Christian, the biggest problems you're going to have are going to be at home. Do you know why? Because Satan knows he's got to stop you. Because if he don't stop you, that anointing is going to change everybody in your house. Don't get hung up on Uncle Joe who's a heathen. People come to church all the time. Pastor, I would love to work in the church, but I'm married to a heathen. Leave the heathen at home and come on to church and serve God. Babysitting a sinner is not going to help him. Break away, obey God, and watch God take care of him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say something, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to learn how to say things diplomatically, and I think I'll do well. When I first started pastoring, I, I did not understand that God had placed an anointed man in the popka. And Satan knew it. I didn't. So he thought, well, if, if we don't, if we're going to stop this church from growing and taking a city, we got to kill Pastor Morgan. I, I, I had no clue. I did. I was, I didn't even understand the fight I had stepped into. Not with people, but with the devil. And, and this, how many of y'all have had trouble since you got saved? Oh, yeah. That's a compliment. Oh, you used to be running with the devil. Now you're plowing his field sideways. Amen. Glory to God. You keep causing trouble. But everywhere God wants to change anything, he sends a man with the gospel and a church springs up. Now I want to read something to you. Book of Revelation. Are you all ready? Okay. Uh, I want you to see this on the screen. I want you to see it. Because if I don't show it to you, you're going to look at me and go, I don't know if I believe in what he said. Revelation 2.7. He who has ears let him hear what the spirit says to the Christians. To what? Church. To the church. God don't talk to Christians. He talks to churches. You're in the church, you step out of the church, your revelation stops. Okay, I'll come over here and preach. Where do you think where do you think the blessing of Abraham's coming on you from? From the church. See, everybody in here has a part. Everybody in a church has a part. Satan hates the church. He hates the church. If, if you're going to listen to him, he's, the first thing he's going to do is get you out of the church. Now, I want you to do something when you get home. I want you to go home and take you a bunch of charcoal briskets the way we used to cook steak. Put it in there and put you about 12 or 15 of them and light them and watch them. And they'll burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. And burn. Take one out. It can't live by itself. Amen. But they interact because the, the coals are keeping each other lit. I just gave you one huge, one huge revelation. You are divinely connected to God through the church. I didn't say you weren't saved. But when he's talking he talks to his church. Yes. Now it might be through Jesse. Jesse! It might be through Joyce. It might be through me. It might be through one of y'all. Yes. But he's still speaking through the church. Yes. Everything God's ever done in me started, I stepped in a church. Yes. And a woman handed me books by Kenneth Hagin and I stepped into my destiny when I walked through the doors of that church building. And everything changed. That's why I'm starting to learn that his most precious gift to this earth is the local church. Now I'm going to tell you a story. I was down at John Maxwell's. Y'all know who John Maxwell is, leadership? This man has made millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars teaching leadership. And when I was down there, one of the businessmen asked him, where do you get your material? He said to the businessman, you wouldn't believe it. And he said, well, try me. He said, no, I don't know if I should tell you. He said, tell me. He said, I get everything I teach you from the Bible. You don't need to go to the business to learn to run church. They need to come to us and learn how to run business. Come on, y'all. I mean, I need a little help right now. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to us. We're the ones that are bringing light. What happened in, in America that changed this nation forever? The churches started preaching what the Bible said about government. Yeah. A war started out at Pastor Jonas Clark's house yeah. called the Revolutionary War. The, the Declaration of Independence was written from the sermons. It was the gospel that changed America and broke us away from tyranny and made us the greatest nation. It, the Revolutionary War started in a church. Oh, I know y'all. I knew y'all were troublemakers to the devil. Come on. Come on I'm doing better than y'all are amen in right now. I'm trying to get you to the point where you understand this is not a side issue. We aren't Sunday only. We're it. We're family. Whether you like it or not, we're going to be together for a long time long, long time. Marshall is waiting on us. Gladys is waiting on us. We've got, come on y'all, we've got family on the other side and every one of y'all that died, they're coming up to the gate and going, whoa, we've been up here waiting on you to get here. Now, some of y'all don't think like this. You need to start thinking like this. And I know some of y'all don't like each other very well. you have forever. (laughs) Why do you think we have worship service? It's practice for heaven. In a minute, we're going to turn hooey loose in a minute. But you know, he's a good Catholic boy. This is all new to him. (laughs) He ain't never seen anybody happy in church before. I had I had to pray with him. I had to pray like this a while ago to get him to understand that we get a hold of God in this place. Nah he's actually doing better than that. All right, where am I going? Romans chapter five. Turn to your neighbor and I says, I think he's doing pretty good. I didn't say that for y'all's benefit. I said it for mine. I needed y'all to say something. I need I am doing pretty good. We were just reading the story of um, the Good Samaritan, and we are talking about Adam. Even though it doesn't mention Adam, that's who he's talking about, but now Paul does. Romans 5, 12, therefore just as one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, everybody, because all sinned. Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness and the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come, Jesus. The free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense, Adam, many died, much more. The grace of God and the gift of grace by one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. Two races. And the gift is not like the one which came through the one who sinned. For judgment which came from one, Adam, offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came by many offenses resulted in justification. For by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in in life through one Jesus Christ say I reign I now I'm going to say it again and I want you to get I want this to impregnate you you have become a super race Amen. you're not just a Christian if Jesus is he is made unto you wisdom how much all of it if he's made unto you righteousness how much All of it. If he's light, how much? All All of it. If he's joy, if he's peace, we have peace with God. How much? All All of it. Do you understand we're not like everybody else? I was reading an article in Facebook and it says, if you find yourself in hell, walk around acting like you own the joint. (laughs) I know this, what I'm going to say sounds arrogant. Carry yourself like you are someone yes. you are. Amen. I, I told the boss one time that I had, I worked for Weber and Tucker and I told him, I said, God will bless this business because I'm here. Yes. I wasn't being arrogant. I was being honest to God. True. The place you work, God will bless it because you're there. So let me ask you a question. You say, well, you said we're complete then why do we need jobs? Well, he said he'd meet all of your needs according to his riches. So why do you have a job? That's your mission field. Come on, don't. I was, watching, I was watching a documentary or something one day and I tried to get Lisa to tell me where I saw it and she don't remember. We pray for her memory. There was a doctor, and I think he worked with Dr. Don Colbert. He was a cardiologist. Now listen, He's raised two people that died on the operating table from the dead. That's the doctor you want when you're being operated on, right? Spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy roll, and man of God cast out, commands you to come back in Jesus' name, right? All right. He said with his own mouth, And all the years I've been a doctor, I've seen more healings because of me laying my hands on people and praying. My being a doctor opens up a door for me to minister to people. But, but while they're in my office, I share Jesus with them all. Yeah. Amen. Now think about that for a minute. Do y'all really want America to turn? You need to get born again spirit filled Christians in Washington. I know you got your favorites, but they're not saved. They're Adam. And they act like him. I'm not trying to go political on you. Yes, I am. Come on, y'all. Come on. America's great because of the gospel. Our forefathers wrote our Constitution out of the Bible. There's only two nations that have ever had a government like this, out of this book. Israel and America. And there's only two nations that have ever prospered. America and Israel. The day this nation turns its back on Jesus, you're going under. I don't care who you are. The world can't get wisdom. They don't have any. I said this in early service, and I'm going to say it again. Now listen to me. If you marry a sinner, don't start screaming for love. He ain't got it. Well, he don't love me. He's in He's incapable of giving you. He doesn't have any. You ain't sucking no blood out of a turnip. There ain't none in there. Oh, now I'm going tell you. If you want a good one, go to church. If she's in there living for Jesus, that's the one you want. If she only comes for a short while while you're here, when the man fakes it, Skip church a while and see what he does. Come in here and ask Lisa to get on the video and watch him. See the camera? We we, we got you. If you leave and he ain't worshiping God, cut it off. Now I'm going to tell on Lisa, my wife, my wonderful, lovely wife. Now we all know that she had a boyfriend who was tall, dark, and handsome. And I was not tall, dark, or handsome. I was dark. <laughs> I was handsome. She said was. You saw that was. <laughs> <laughs> and she told somebody one time, she says, when I get married, I'm going to marry Kenneth Copeland. They went, you ain't marrying Kenneth. She said, yes. So I started preaching like Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> and she set her sights high. Now understand, and what, and what she, she was right, and I told someone one time, I said, well, she would rather have a used Rolls Royce than a new Volkswagen. <laughs> Not look spiritual, okay, it's, it's all right. <laughs> I guess that didn't go over very well. All right, let's see. <laughs> Amen. Go to Luke chapter 15. We'll begin to close. I will build my church. And I'm going to tell you something. The gates of hell will never stand against it. Satan has never overcome the church one time. He doesn't have the ability to do it. Jesus is Victor and we're his kids. I am victorious. I am an overcomer. I am the, I have the wisdom of God. I am the righteousness of God. The joy I'm full, of the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm I'm full of the wisdom of the life of God. I'm, I'm alive with the life of God. The same Holy Ghost raised Jesus from the dead, lives on the inside of me. I am completing him. I don't need to go out there looking for nobody to give me an answer. I got the Holy Ghost. I got the answer on the inside of me. I'm going to tell all my sons now, this is good. But when when Justin and Josh Brown were working at Pentair, they were ministering to men on marriage. They ain't never even been married. Josh had. But yet these boys and Jordan was part of Was he part of that for a while? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit. We'll give Jordan a little credit. <laughs> and I got to thinking one day, how is it these 20-year-old kids are sitting around the table and ministering to these old men about, about, about families and marriage? Because they're full of God. Yeah. When God wanted to change Egypt, he sent a man to Egypt. Yeah. When, God, Daniel, when Daniel went to, went over to Iran or Iraq, Persia, he changed the whole world. One man. One man Jesus. Do you understand you might only be one man, but you are one man full of God? Yes. Amen. Wherever God sends you, it's going to change. Yes. Amen. I've preached on this before. It's not the first time, but I probably need to preach Luke, Luke 15. We've heard this is the parable uh, the, of the lost son or a, but anyway, let's read it again. A certain man had two sons, Adam and Jesus. Here we go again. Well, how many times we keep running into this two son things? The younger of them, Adam, father, give me the portion of good that falls to me and he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after that, he split, took off to a far country, wasted his possessions with prodigal living And when he spent everything he had, he rose to severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. It's amazing how many kids get up and go, I can't wait to get old enough to get out of church. You might want to come back. And he sent him to the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with pods that the swine ate. No one gave him anything. What are you going to get out of the world? It has nothing to give you. I want you to understand. It has no life. It has no light. It has no peace. It has no joy. It has no wisdom. It has nothing to give you. Nothing. So this boy goes, even the servants in my father's house are doing better than me. Now think about that for a minute. What a statement. Even a servant, the Jews aren't Christians and they're servants and they're doing better than the world. Even an old covenant's better than being a sinner. Right. Yeah. Never mind. I, just, I like to say an old backslidden sinner still got it better than old sinner. And when he came to himself, how many of you remember the day you came to yourself? How many in my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I am perishing with hunger. I'm going to rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned before heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. See, he's making up what he's going to say to his dad about what a sorry, good-for-nothing, low-down dog he is. What do you think is happening when his father? His father says that he was looking at a long ways off, and when he saw him coming, he had compassion. Now, I'm going to tell you a story of me for just a few minutes. One of the things that, that blew me away more than anything else was the goodness of God. I, I had never been treated well in my entire life. The day I got born again, my Heavenly Father started, meant, started loving on me. I had never experienced unconditional love. And I, I thought it'll, he, he'll last a week. And he'll quit, like everybody else I 've ever met. they 'll love you a while, and then they'll leave you. but he didn't. week after week, month after month, God treated me like I was important. He got me a job, he got me out of debt, he healed my body, he helped me buy a pickup truck, he helped me buy a brand new car. It went on and it went on and it went on and and I would go home at night, and I would lay in my bed, and I would cry myself to sleep. I would lay there and go, you are so good. You are so good. You are so good. It was amazing the grace that he was given to me. And I knew I was a low-down dog. I remember being chased by dogs by the... Wanted to put me back in jail. I remembered the stuff I did. And he acted like I never did anything wrong. Yeah. And his goodness was more than I could handle. And I'm not going to go into it in detail because, I, you know, it's, today's not the day to do this. But that day in the bed, I'm laying in the bed. And I, and I said, God, the first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is I'm going to come in the throne room, I'm going to climb up in your lap, and I'm just going to kiss you. You're so good to me. And I asked him a question. I said, can I see you? He said, you can see my glory. I left my bed and he took me to heaven all night. I can't tell it without crying because every time I tell it, I see it. And I walked in the throne room and God is a hunk, a hunk of burning love. He is pure, unadulterated love, love, love. And he loves people. And that, 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 that changed my whole life. So when we're reading this story, I thought I was coming to God. I avoided God because of condemnation. I didn't know that when I came to him. So I want you to read, I want you, I want you to read with me, and we're going to close. He arose and came to his father. And while he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had mercy on him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, Father... And he prayed the sinner's prayer. I'm an old sinner. (laughs) I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father totally ignored everything he said. And the father said to his servants, bring the best robe of righteousness. Put a ring of the authority of the believer and sandals. This son of mine that was dead is alive. And totally restored him back in the family again. Now that happened to you and I. The only place that's ever going to happen is church. Everything you'll ever need is in his church. It's in the people in here. You and I are his gift to the world. They need you. And you need each other. That, he told me, he says, I want you to start preaching on what I'm doing in the earth because I said the last, I was preaching on the last day's church, but we are the last day's church and he's leaving you and I here because Jesus was a super man and he created a new race of super men and that's who we are. Amen. Amen. I want you to quit seeing yourself as some good for nothing low down. I was no good. You were no good. If you're in here today, least in a minute is going to get up and Huey's going to share a little bit about Israel and she's going to get up. If you need prayer, please just get up and come up here. Get prayed for, get born again, come to Jesus. Amen. Um, I want to tell you one more story before I leave. Do you remember in the book of Exodus chapter 17, do you remember that Moses got into a fight with the Amalekites? It says that when the Amalekites were winning, Joseph, Joshua and Ur went up and held up the hands of Moses. And when Moses' hands were held up, they won the battle. Don't take the office of pastor for granted. God sent him there with an anointing on you to change your life. They're not perfect people. We have a prayer group in here that prays over me all the time. And I'm going to say this publicly. If it wasn't for this prayer group, there's things I would not have made it through. But whenever, I, whenever Satan was hitting this church, these men and these ladies held my hands up. Amen. God put a church, this church, your church, in the world for you. Amen. And I want you to, I want you to come back to a realization of how big a deal that is. If you're in it, and I'm, and I'm trying to get you to stay, your destiny is hooked here. Everything you need, your anointing is is connected to a body of believers. You can't walk in love alone. You can't burn by yourself. You'll die. You see that? Amen. You ready to pray? Father God, thank you for this people. Thank you for this church. Father, I haven't told them this, but because of the school system in America, Lisa and I are thinking about starting a school here in the church. We need these children to be taught and to grow up in an atmosphere of love. We're willing to do it, but we got to have a strong church to be able to do that. Father, there's a lot of things that we're doing in this church that's going to take us further than we've ever been. I thank you for this place. I thank you for beginning it. I thank you for the men and women sitting in here, and I ask you to bless them. And Father, we give you glory and honor for everything you've done, and we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.